So just before we start, I wanted to remind you, if you've not already done so, to please subscribe, rate and comment on whichever app you're using. It really helps to get the podcast listened to by more people. Hi Dad. Hi Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? (laughs) Well, maybe in my head. The thing is though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. (laughs) Well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Hello and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine. And I'm Stephen. So what are we talking about today, Celine? Uh, Optimised crapness. Optimised crapness. <laughs> and just generally how um, everyone's mean to retail workers and I'm fed up of it. <laughs> So we're really talking about customer service, aren't we, today? Um, Which is a bit of a departure from our normal uh, subject matter because I'm finding it hard to angle it towards cults or ex-Jehovah's Witnesses or anything. Maybe we'll find a way as we get into it. But um, it's kind of just something that we wanted to talk about. It's a bit different and we've been through some pretty heavy things recently. So we thought we'd do customer service but also optimised crapness. Yeah, so background, dad works in optimization, <laughs> <laughs> and I work in customer service. Yeah. And together we form. <laughs> um, no, so but we just want to talk about things that we've noticed and gripes. My soapbox, my high horse, as dad was one to say for many episodes in a row, yes. is that... We keep treating retail workers and customer service workers like the uh, crap on your shoe. Yeah, on your shoe, and I'm done with it. (laughs) And as a society, we need to stop being disgusting to customer service workers. So, Celine wants to have a rant, which is fine. We can do that. But first, but first, before Mm -hmm. we get on to the main subject of the week, we've got a special new feature which. Um, we hope you like called Tweet of the Week 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 Isn't it good? <laughs> Very good indeed. Um, so, I hope you all enjoyed this little song. So uh, answers on Twitter, please. What do you think our new feature is called? It's called Tweet of the Week. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I don't know if we'll be able to do this every week. It depends. Um, the last couple of days on Twitter has been a bit nasty. Oh, <laughs> It's just not to me, but um, I... it has just generally been nasty. Um, I tend to, you know, keep out of all the nastiness but it has been a bit nasty at times but anyway um there's also some really interesting stuff and some good stuff 
So every now and again, I have a bit of a brainwave of a good question to ask on Twitter. And I'd noticed that uh, lots of people were on our interviews kept coming up with really great metaphors. So I thought I'd ask the question on Twitter, what is your metaphor for leaving a high control group or cult? Mm. And so that's what Tweet of the Week is about this week. Metaphors, illustrations, ways of describing leaving. So we've got some here. Do you want to pick your favourite, Celine? You've got uh, some there. Wow. I'll, I'll start from the. I'll start from the top. I won't take say. it from the top. Yeah. Producer Bob says, when I was in, I used to say to my mum, I felt like I was trapped in one of those bags they use for oranges. All my arms and legs poking out of the holes, but I was stuck in a net. Yeah, you forgot to say the net bags. You just said bags. So net is the key word there that you missed out. <laughs> Sorry, it's very hard to read. It's tiny on this picture. <laughs> so yes, um, so I think it's quite a good illustration. And what's funny about that is I used to think about the net bag, but in a different sense. So for me, it was those, uh, the holes in the net bag, but obviously the... The, the bits that make the bag a bag started to fray in my mind. Mm-hmm. And so that you get bigger and bigger holes until in the end, it, your faith can't hold anything. But producer Bob had a slightly different meaning to that metaphor, but I think that's quite interesting. So, I yeah, think someone one. else said the same thing though. Um, Mrs. Skittiotic says, once you start pulling the loose threads, the whole thing starts to unravel, which is very similar. Indeed. Um, I think that's Mrs. Kitiotic, I think. Uh, oh, Kitiotic yeah. or Kitiotic. Uh, yeah, and she also uses House of Cards Collapsing is another, which is a very mm. good visual kind of image, isn't it? Um, Unmuted Candor said, I always thought it was like being a marionette whose strings kept being cut until you were free. That's very good, isn't it? Yeah, that is good. It's a um, sort of Pinocchio. Yeah. I'm a real boy. <laughs> um, there's another one from uh, Sony Davidson who says, being raised as a JW is like being given a tiny boat with one broken oar, no sail and no baggage. That No. Um... Um, <laughs> and no baggage. It's great. No. Um, <laughs> being raised as a JW is like being given a tiny boat with one broken oar, no sail and baggage that nearly sinks the boat. And when you leave, you are pushed out from the dock into the sea. Yeah, it's very evocative, yeah. isn't it? That? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good one. Um, so Alice in Wonderland said, escaped the box holding me prisoner. So that's very claustrophobic mm. image from Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ex-Mormon says, using the Matrix to explain waking up is my favourite. For anyone that has seen the movie but never been in a religion, it gives a good demonstration of how it feels when your mind is out. You can never go back to how things were because you know it's not real. Yeah, that that's a really good one. Um, in fact, somebody mentioned that earlier, actually, and, and um, just outside this context, and it got me to think, well, I want to watch the film again. So I watched it again with that in mind. Perhaps it's a, a subject for a podcast um celine because i think it's really interesting if you if you watch it with that in mind it really does bring it home ex-mormon by the way um coming on the podcast yeah so looking forward to meeting ex-mormon um 
And then there's there's a brilliant one from the Corkinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to read some of that, Slee? Okay. Uh, I'll do first, and then yeah. you go, Ariane. It's like I was born and lived in a giant dome that housed this community for 30 years. Things were fine until I met visitors from outside the dome, telling me what life was like out there. Then one day, living in the dome became painful. Infighting began. People became focused on what was best for the dome rather than the individuals. My mental health took a a turn to the point where getting out was my break in case of emergency. When I did, it was like breathing fresh air for the first time. But when I turned around... The dome was gone. The dome was never there. It never existed. It was an agreed construct of the community I was born into. The challenge of grappling with this new reality became even more complicated than I expected. Whoa. That's (laughs) like a science fiction story right there, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So that's fantastic, Corkinator. I really like that. You should write a story about that. Excellent. Great. So that was really, I really enjoyed reading those um, ideas, those illustrations, metaphors, however you want to describe it. Um, of course, we got lots from some of the people that we've interviewed. So I think that's that's seems to be something about that situation that in order to try and explain it to somebody else, you kind of need to, you, you just have to create some sort of story or illustration around it to to get it across so i think it's quite interesting that Mm -hmm. um yeah good so while we're here while we're still talking about people's interactions um maybe we should also say thank you to a few people who have left comments on the Um, podcasts on the platforms that they listen on yes indeed um so we've got i think the latest one is from ARG Molly on Apple Podcasts said, uh, recently woken up, stumbling across your podcast has been a huge help. I love the concept and dynamic you both bring to your podcast, a good selection of thought-provoking subjects and well-researched. Keep up the good work. Thank you, ARG Molly. That's really nice. Thank you. Okay, and then we've got another one um, on Apple from Libby C that says, love this podcast absolutely love this podcast it always gives me something to think deeply about whether you've been part of a high control organization or not it's great to hear things discussed in an open and frank manner from the perspective of a father and daughter and their different ages and life experiences yeah that's nice isn't it we may have um talked about that one before but i'm not sure so i thought we'd we'd do it again so thank you very much libby c that's lovely um there's also a few people who have been commenting on podbean um, so obviously we don't get access or don't necessarily see all of the comments on all of the different platforms, but Podbean is one we do. So I personally want to say thank you to Vinegar10 uh, for your regular likes and comments. In particular, thank you for spotting my error. Uh, I'm ha- happy to correct that now. I said that Thomas Huxley wrote Brave New World, but of course it was Aldous Huxley. Um, in one of the podcasts, and um, so I want to put that record straight. Thank you, Vinegar, for reminding me of that. Um, interestingly, he is the grandson of Thomas, but obviously that uh, doesn't excuse my mistake. Um, mm. So, yes, thank you very much, Vinegar. Um, always reactive on our Podbean, so thank you for that. 
Um, thank you very much, Andy Grant. Um, Andy has reached out a couple of times on the Twitter, um, and he says, another great podcast, What Sitter. It reminded me of being banned from giving public talks in certain congregations because I, because I had a nicely trimmed beard. So I think that was related to the podcast about um, body image and uh, the way you look and all that, wasn't it? So um, thank you very much, Andy Grant. That's great. And last one, thank you, Sue, for listening and commenting probably nearly every time. Very good. Thank you. We love you, Sue. Um, Sue is a massive supporter um, of the podcast Mm -hmm. and your auntie. Yes, it's true. (laughs) So thank you, Sue. Uh, Sue's got her own pain to deal with, so we thank her very much for her, her comments and support. So thank you very much, Sue. Keep listening. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. So I kind of enjoyed that little um, feature. Do we? Yeah, do you think good we should finish with the music as well as start with the music? Yeah. I think so. Okay, here we go then. Tweet of the week. 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 Great. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's it for our new feature. Hopefully, we can do it every week if we have a highlight of the week. Of course, sometimes we record this um, stuff a few weeks in advance. Um, so it might be that, uh, yeah, some of the tweets are a little bit old by the time we get to talk about them, but hey. That's life. Um, mm. Right, so what are we talking about today then, Celine? Let's uh, let's crack on. Remember, optimised crapness. Optimised crapness. So mm-hmm. how do we introduce this subject? Because nobody will know what optimised crapness means. Well, that's your phrase. My yeah. my personal soapbox. So is is your point of view is from the customer's point of view. You're, you're talking about like the customer's experience of like doing as little as possible because like time is a resource and so on whereas like my experience is like being the customer service person trying to do as much as possible while being paid as little as possible <laughs> um, <laughs> um you so do you want to get it off your chest um you tell us what you don't need to obviously give anything away but um tell us what sort of things that that have been getting your goat recently uh, customers are horrible. Uh, no, <laughs> no, it's just okay. Like some customers can be really mean, and I think we've all been in the shop while that customer is being horrible to the sales associate, and everyone's like, "Oh, bless him." But also, I don't think people realise like you don't have to be literally screaming at someone to make their day quite bad and difficult. Do you know what I mean? Like they'll they're like, "I'm going to get." what i want to get and like i'm going to get the best deal i can get and like you know it's all very like well i'm going to kick up a fuss and i'll get what i want it's like okay and you know what we we're human beings too with lives and existences and it would be nice if you could like respect that or even just see that and be like you know what they tried the best (laughs) i'm gonna let it go or you know what like just call the number then the number that is designed for customer complaints because like that's at least they're expecting to be complained at constantly okay um but i I suppose i ought to play the the um 
attitude mm. of the customer because you know I am one. I suppose you are as well, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm going to put forward the customer's perspective, I suppose. So as a customer, when when I go into a shop, and uh, I suppose there's, there's two factors here. One might be when I think that the customer service has been bad, or I think there's something wrong. Mm. And then there's the other side of it when I might be trying to get the best deal I can. It sounded like you were alluding to both of those. Was that... Yeah, they're both frustrating. Uh, <laughs> um, well, it's like, for instance, here's an example of like someone wanted something doing, which would make the item bespoke. And I said, okay, that'll be chargeable. And they said, well, why? And I said, because we all have to do the work and that is going to cost money we have to pay the the jobbers that do it so obviously that means it has to be chargeable and I'm like well I don't see why and I was like well you're asking for it to be bespoke you could just buy it as it is do you know what I mean you're asking for extra service it will cost more yeah you know Um, and they took massive umbrage with that and were really annoyed and didn't think I was doing enough for them because I said that the extra work they wanted doing on the item would cost extra money and they thought that that was that was you know ridiculous <laughs> so how do you deal with that sort of thing then stand your ground at, luckily yeah. at the place where i work yeah you can stand your ground because things cost money and you can't just give stuff to people for goodwill constantly and mm. i think there's too much attitude of like the customer's always right in, with customers they think that they you know, when they go into a store, I think customers think that each individual, if all the customers obviously choose to stop going to you and mass, massive boycott is different. But if one customer's like, oh, well, I'm going to go somewhere else, then it, all right. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> see, well, see ya. Yeah. I mean, as a customer, that's the only power you've got, really, isn't it? I mean, you've, yeah. Well, the, the most power you've got is to walk away and, and not buy the, the products i suppose so you're mm-hmm. you're trying to wield that power aren't you by by threatening to walk away yeah yeah well i can understand um i, I guess um isn't it just a game though isn't it just isn't it just the person trying to get the most that they can from this situation and your job is to sort of push back against that isn't that just just the transaction that's happening at that point i think it's fine to say can you do that? When I say no, mm. then you need to just let it go. It's not happening. <laughs> Stop pushing me on it. I'm not going to. If anything, you've annoyed me and I'm going I'm going to be less helpful to you. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like I'm so mu- I think people forget that we're also humans and that I'm way more willing to go above and beyond if I like you. I think that's mm. something that people should bear in mind with customer service when they're like, "Oh, I'm really good at getting deals. I'm so great at this and that." And I'm like, I wonder what you could have gotten if you were polite and nice. Imagine. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've done so many, I've gone so far above and beyond for certain people because they're really genuinely lovely and just Mm. nice. And I've, you know, stayed late and I've, you know, done more than I need to to make sure that they get exactly what they want in the exact manner that they want it. Mm. People that are difficult to be around and demand things i'll i'll do what is required Hmm. and i think that's worth bearing in mind 
I mean, this reflects the, the, the thing we've talked about on the assertiveness podcast and on the courses, isn't it? That, um, yeah, if you're aggressive towards somebody, you might get some sort of short-term compliance, mm-hmm. but it doesn't necessarily mean that you get the person going above and beyond. Yeah. So that sounds like that's really what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it has an emotional impact on you, obviously. You're not one of these people that just um, just sort of brushes it off and sees it as just part of the game. No, because... It like upsets said, you, doesn't it? Well, with everybody that works there, the whole point of, re- of return customer service, I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast before, is emotional labour. So mm. businesses want you to buy into their business and like give emotional labour. So they want you to invest in the customer and like care about... Mm them right so they train you with that in mind and i would say pretty much everywhere i've worked has done that kind of training so they want you to care so then Mm. when people are horrible to you it's upsetting (laughs) yeah that's really interesting isn't it um yeah we that's something we're gonna definitely feature on an upcoming podcast isn't it and you've got some thoughts yeah Uh, well you've got some plans hard plans to make a film about it haven't you yeah yeah this emotional labor at work yeah Mm -hmm. that's interesting though isn't it so the fact that you are being trained being encouraged to put your heart into it and really care about the customer care about the service you're giving Mm -hmm. means that it's it's more painful when the customer doesn't reciprocate when they don't appreciate that no well i'm trained to care about the customer the customer's trained to be mean to me because that's how they get what they want and that's like a sad relationship yeah. isn't it because like yeah unfortunately, so how is the customer tra- trained because we are training the customers we as um as as the retail sector or the customer service sector are training the customer if you like with you could say behavioralism in the sense yeah. that when they kick up a fuss and be to be quite honest big children they get what they want because mm. you know they call the you know the complaints line and they get given vouchers or they get given a free service or they get given you know they get given things because mm. you know from a company level it's not a big deal to cave but that basically undermines us and it means that mm. you that customers are trained to behave badly to get what they want do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that that's kind of contradictory to what you said previously, What, which was that when people are nasty, they don't get what they want. Not on, an, not on a small level. It's if you yeah. pursue it, right? Because some customers, they're mean to the point that they'll, they'll pursue you past like your store level. They will go right. to like head office yeah. and to, to take you down because they've got too much time on their hands. You know, mm. um, so we'll follow company pr- procedure and policy, and then they'll find the number to call and get you know it escalated, and uh, then you'll have to fold. <laughs> um, yeah, but that but when they come to pretty... store, it'll be it'll be a hostile environment. But we can, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because we've been commanded to do it, and they know we didn't want yeah. to. Mm. So it's just unpleasant for everybody, though. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, I can understand that. I can understand mm. that. Mm. yeah i've never really been uh i suppose well when i was a window cleaner i suppose we can talk about um yeah some of that i I, yeah i have had awkward customers window cleaning and treating lawns yeah yeah sometimes it's yeah i definitely recognize that i I remember going 
Like I used to do some lawns in Surrey, all the way from Peterborough, mm. which was like three hours to get there, do a day's yeah. work, and then drive all the way back. It was like mm-hmm. ridiculous, really. Um, mm. But um, yeah, there's one or two customers there, normally really lovely, but every now and again, one of them would just be absolutely horrible, you know. And you can't guarantee everything that's going to happen on their lawn within eight weeks of you being there, you know. I know. All sorts of things can happen. It's been dry weather. Um, They've suddenly had some sort of lawn disease or something. You know, mm-hmm. all of these things happen. And, uh, yeah, I remember just feeling completely – because they've been so nice. And then all of a sudden, he just came out and gave they me a turn right on roasting. you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I because told him I think how they... I felt about it. And I wouldn't come again. Yeah, I think <laughs> – I think, but luckily, it was your own company, yeah, so right. you could do that. Yeah, that's right. Mm. I can't personally tell someone not to come to the store – um, no, that's right. You know, I can pass them on to somebody else, but you know, a yeah. different, a different worker. But you know, you can't always mm. do that. Um, you know, it's just I don't understand being unpleasant for like the sake of it. It feels like sometimes it just feels vindictive and like they've got nothing else better to do. Do you think it might be a power trip that some people have that they like to wield the power over you because they know you can't say sling your hook, you know? Yeah, well, they know they get they're in a sort of privileged position in that they get to say what they want without much pushback in a way that you know, mm. if I wasn't wearing my name badge, that you could expect. Do you know what I mean? Um, I yeah. think. So yeah, I think some people enjoy it. I think uh, some people. I was talking to a, a colleague, and she said when she was the manager at a different place, um, you know, they'd always say, "Can I speak to the manager when they're dealing with her?" And then she'd say, "I am the manager," and they're like, and she said one time, a, some a guy said, "Oh, I thought the manager would be a man," Ooh. to her. <laughs> mm. Yeah, nice. yeah, and she she was like. <laughs> Well, you'll be waiting for a long time. So, because the you know her and her, all the team were were women at that mm. point. So she's like, you'll be waiting a long time. Uh, so, do you know what I mean? It's just like things like that they get to say because in normal mm. conversation, you could be like, "Wow, that's sexist. I don't like you." Um, yeah. But because you're at work and you're customer facing, you have to be like, "Oh no." Um, you, you know you have to be yeah although there's i mean there's there's a lot of things now and a lot of situations now where there's a lot of signs up on the wall and stuff that say mm-hmm. you know we uh but that tends to be more services like the doctor's surgery or something like that there's these signs isn't there that we have some signs that say like we worked through because we worked through the lockdown as well yeah and yeah. it's like we worked through the lockdown please show respect basically um but i mean what does a sign do? I don't think I've not noticed a decrease in mean <laughs> people. Oh dear! You know what I'm going to do? Point at the sign. Mm. <laughs> you have so to I, be mean to me. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Oi! Keep pointing at that. Look, tap it, tap it. That'll do. Yeah, just like you know, no one. If Read the sign. Yeah, like <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so um. I would suggest that you've got two different things here. One is that you've got some uh, people who are basically a-holes mm-hmm. um, who enjoy the power 
or who just think this is the way to get what I want and don't care about you or anybody else. And then I would also suggest there are some other people who just get frustrated by what they see as a system that is designed to uh, make life difficult for them or to sort of do them over in some way. And Mm. I kind of have some sympathy for that second one. Uh, Not for the first one, but I do understand what it's like to be at the wrong end of a conversation with a service assistant um, and feeling that my, you know, that they are they are kind of not taking my custom seriously or they're just downright rude themselves mm. or you know that the system is kind of designed to to be well to put not to put too fine a point on it crap mm. which kind of brings me to my point which is optimized crapness so do you want to um, hear what I mean by optimised crapness yeah, and why I think it. this might relate to your problem? Go for it. Right, okay. So Tell the audience. <laughs> so this is my theory of optimised crapness. Mm-hmm. So um, my day job is as a business improvement manager and I train managers and stuff. We mentioned that to, um, to uh, yeah, yeah. Dr. Lalich, didn't we? And uh, she kind of raised her eyebrow because I don't think she likes management trainers. <laughs> no, no. So I think she's seen many a management training session uh, essentially become a cult recruiting ground. So maybe mm. we talk about that another time. But anyway, that's what I do. I don't do the, the recruit recruitment bit, but I do do simple management training, you know, how to mm-hmm. organize yourself and how to organize your team and all that sort of stuff. Um mm-hmm. And I also work in manufacturing. So we do something called lean manufacturing. And lean manufacturing is, many of you probably know what it is, but if you don't, lean is a way of organizing things where you focus on adding value to the products and you try to remove any activity you're doing that is not adding value to the product. So if you think about a factory, every time you're, I don't know, you know, screwing something in or or um, fixing a part or um, mixing some paint or spraying some paint. Anytime you're doing that, you are adding value to the product because that's something that the customer wants. You know, they want it red. You're going to have to paint it or spray it red. Therefore, spraying the thing red is adding value. Mm. Anything that you're not doing that isn't adding value to the product is known in lean as waste. And waste is something that you want to avoid. So things like moving the product around the factory, um, going and fetching the paint or waiting for somebody to go and give you the paint or um, anything that isn't actually doing something to the product itself is considered to be waste. Mm. Uh, This all stems from the Japanese car manufacturers after the Second World War who adopted this whole mentality i suppose philosophy about manufacturing and so lean in various different guises has found its way um, into all sorts of manufacturing i worked in the food industry a lot still do to a degree so we use it in food manufacturing Um, but it's also 
moved into other areas of work as well. So the service sector, it's in the healthcare system. So you have lean managers, a particular type of lean, I suppose, or slightly different route, but Six Sigma is kind of linked together now with lean. But there's Six Sigma lean um, consultants in hospitals and so on who are all there to remove what is considered to be waste. So things that are not adding to the product. Mm. And so all the time you're trying to optimize activity. Because if you think about it, any time that somebody's doing something that is not adding value, you're still having to pay them. You're still having to maintain the factory or the warehouse or the hospital or the shop. Um, so all of that is waste. Therefore, you want to spend more of your time adding value in some way to the product. When it comes to customer service, this is where I think that we might have taken it a little bit too far. And I'll, I'll explain this by um, talking about a supermarket and think about a common thing. You go into a supermarket and Obviously, there's people on the tills. Forget for a minute the um, self-service checkouts because that just complicates matters. But just for a moment, just imagine a shop with no self-service. It's all tills with people on the tills. Um, and you buy your basket full of stuff or your trolley full of stuff or you get your trolley full of stuff ready to pay for it. And you look along the line of where the people should be waiting for you know, to receive your goods and put it through the checkout. And what you'll notice is that very rarely will you see people sat there waiting for customers. Um, there'll be a sort of number of stations that are manned that have somebody actually working on those kiosks. They don't want too many on there because obviously if people are sitting around waiting for customers to come up, then that's waste. They're sitting there actually doing nothing. So that that's mm. not adding any value from a customer service perspective. Um, so the trick is to optimize. In other words, only have as many people on the tills as you absolutely need at any given time. Mm. And that sounds obvious, doesn't it? But to do that, to make that happen is quite a science because how many is the right number? So you could say, well, we want the number that is, you know, if I go up to the tills, I don't have to wait. But that isn't necessarily the right number because I, as a customer, am willing to wait a little bit mm -hmm. without feeling I'm annoyed. So the question is, how long am I willing to wait? And there is a kind of science around this. Somebody will have done some research into this and have found out, and this will be regional as well, so it depends on what part of the world you're in, that might be different. So in the UK, there will be a number, a minute, you know, X amount of minutes. People generally in the UK are willing to queue for X amount of minutes. Let's just say it's mm. five minutes. So then what you're optimized for is to make sure that every customer essentially waits for about four minutes and 59 seconds. Mm -hmm. Because that's the point at which they're going to start to get fed up. So essentially, you don't want them to just walk up to a cash till register and just straight away because that's actually adding more to the service, the customer service, than the customer 
is actually willing to pay for. They're willing to wait for five minutes, therefore make them wait for five minutes. Because this is another part of waste, is another thing that you can do that is considered waste is adding more value to the product than is required. So going back to my manufacturing example, if if the customer is happy with two coats of paint and you put three coats of paint on, Mm. That is waste because you're doing more to it than is required by the customer. And it's the same principle with customer service. If you say the customer is willing to wait five minutes and you serve them in two minutes, then essentially it's a bit like putting that extra coat of paint on that product. Mm. Does that make sense? Have I explained that? Yeah. So that, that makes sense. Yeah. So essentially what you've created here is the minimum standard that you are now trying to reach but that's also the optimized standard from the business point of view because obviously you only want to have as many people on those tills as is absolutely necessary Mm -hmm. so what that essentially means is that you're trying to as a business you're trying to take it up to the wire Mm. you're trying to be as crap or as um, as not crap as is necessary and a level of crapness that the customer will accept without mm. walking away or going somewhere else. And that's what I call optimised crapness. And that's why I think we've lost our way in customer service. We've got to the point where we've got it down to a science and we think that Hey, you know, people generally will be willing to wait five minutes. Let's that make them wait that long because that works for the business. But I would argue that what we should be doing is going beyond that because actually what customer service is about is delighting the customer, mm. is making them feel special, is making them feel that I want to come here again. So the emphasis shouldn't be on not losing them. The emphasis should be on bringing them in thinking that this is a great place to be this is a place where i want to experience this feeling of being important this feeling of being looked after cared for these are all psychological needs that human beings have and that's what we go shopping for as much as it is for the product we actually go for as much for that as for the feeling of importance being made a fuss of and so on and it's more and more important as you spend more money. Mm. So the more money you spend, the more you feel like you you need that emotional um, service too, if you like, that you're you're being made to feel special. And I just think we've possibly lost that. And if you you know, COVID aside, supermarkets were already struggling or the high street was already struggling, town centres were struggling. And part of that, I think, is because shops only focused on trying to make things as cheap as possible. And in order to do that, that means that you've got to optimise everything you do. And what suffers then is that going the extra mile, that actually delighting the customer, and you settle for doing the what's basically required the bare minimum optimized crapness so that's what that means and i think the two are linked because Mm. 
I'm not saying that's what you do in your particular no, we, place. No, we're really good. But I think we get used to it and we're fed up with it. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I just... Yeah, I think there are certain places where that's happening. I feel like as someone that works there, works in you know multiple different retail environments though, like I said, you're all trained to care. That's So that's what's at contradiction, I suppose this like so that's that's even more serious so what that means is that the business is saying um we're only willing to do x amount of effort onto this product or into this service um but we're going to create the the caring attitude in the workforce in the shop assistants um, to essentially take the strain. Yeah, I do feel like it is put onto. Um, I mean, but it always will be put onto you because you're the one that's the service provider. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, like, yeah, you it is our responsibility as the sales associates. So you're make... the you're the first line, aren't you? You're the person that is representing that business. And if if they, as a customer, think that. What they're experiencing here is is that is optimized crapness. Then, who do they complain to? Well, they're going to complain to you first because you're the person that's in front of them. Mm. Um, so, unfortunately, I think that's part of it. I mean, the a holes. You know, you're always going to get people like that. I'm not sure you can do much about people like that. But I think, um, well, other than what you've already described, remain assertive and just not take it personally. Just see it as what it is somebody trying to dominate you in which case you just maintain your assertiveness but i think the other part of it why people get frustrated is because um everything seems to be done to make life more difficult you know so rather than well can i talk to somebody no you'll have to phone this number um i mean i had a dispute with um a media company i won't say the name of it but um it was going back literally 15 or so years when I'd cancelled something. And as far as I'd concerned, that had been done. But 15 years later, I went to subscribe with them. Now, actually, a completely different company because um, they've been bought out like three different times. But on their records, they still had, oh, this person hasn't paid his final termination fee, which I didn't even know about. I didn't have any letters about it as far as i was aware um and i was trying to talk to somebody and do you know what they asked me to do this is a media company this is the company that a company that provides broadband services guess what they wanted me to do hmm. write a letter right i had to write a physical letter and post it to ask for my case to be looked at they would not put me through. They would not allow me to talk to anybody. Bear in mind, this was going back well, 10, 15 years ago. A different company, mm. um, they had on record that I hadn't paid my cancellation fee. Uh, therefore, not only were they not going to give me the service, they weren't even going to talk to me about it. I had to write a letter. Mm. So, yeah, I was angry at that point. I was angry at the person I was talking to. Um, now, obviously, somebody somewhere has got a set of processes and policies 
that they were following. So it's not really their fault, but yeah. So I can understand why people get angry when it feels like the customer is just uh, of either no importance or they're going to try and get away with doing as little as possible for you. Yeah, I feel like the thing that I normally say, because obviously I'm also a customer sometimes and I've Mm. had bad customer service, but I've said like, you know, when I was dealing with something that was going wrong with me for another broadband provider, it's always, that's (laughs) it's just a different one. Um, But yeah, I was like, they promised something that someone shouldn't have. You know, you deal with a different person every time. Someone promised something they shouldn't have. And I was like, well, um, I want to have this that I was promised regardless. Like, mm. so, you know, but I just said at the time, I was like, it's not your fault. Like random person I'm speaking to on the phone. I'm not mad mm. at you. I'm mad at the situation. Can you just put me through to someone that can help? Or like, can you sort it out or whatever? But I think saying I'm not mad at you is genuinely one of the nicest things you can do if you are mad because you feel less attacked because... Mm people just shout at you like as though you did it and it's like Mm. if they could just say like look i'm not mad at you this is just what this Mm. is what i want to achieve just tell me you're not mad at Mm. me and what you want (laughs) we got it we've got it that would be that message loud and clear yeah yeah um i mean obviously i I talk about um assertive behavior a lot and i i know that's the right thing to do and i do that um, as much as I can, um, I think it's just difficult, isn't it? Because you get frustrated and and angry at times. I know, but you've got to remember that the customer service person is a person with a life outside of this workforce. Yeah. And that, you know, so like I know a lot of the time people have their own stuff going on. Like a colleague was having a really bad day. It was their first day back um, from being off for a while. And they Mm. had a really horrible customer just shouting at them, saying they don't know what they're doing and being horrible because they had a complaint. And it's like, they've come in, they're trying their best. And then customers just pushed them, you know, to being upset. And it's just like, you know, you don't know what someone's going through themselves. Like, you know, people will come in and say, this is really upsetting me. Like, this has caused this and that. And this has caused Mm. problems for me. And it's like, okay, like, same, (laughs) you know. Yeah, um, I think yeah. there's no, not I think very you're much right. empathy for customer service people. Mm. I think I think that's right. I think that's um, that's good. Yeah, um, advice. You know that um, you know John Cleese's assertiveness videos, or like oh, yes. how to be yeah. like how to not be a dick, basically videos, um, <laughs> because he's like, you know, the guy's about to be shouting and angry, and he's like, his mum just died. And he's like, what? What? And he's like, yeah, he just, his mum just died. He's literally just been to the funeral and he's just come back to work. So that's why he's a bit off today. And he's like, is that true? And he's like, no, but imagine it is. Yeah. You know no, I mean? it's, like, it's good. Yeah. If you're about to blow up on someone, maybe just. And, and it's just a lack of um, thought. Is that I, I remember um, when I moved to Warrington, I said I did window cleaning, but I also, out of desperation to earn money, I, mm. I um, did some leaflet delivery. So oh, yeah. I uh, signed up to be a leaflet deliverer, but it was basically, you know, just pounding the streets, dropping off leaflets, which mm. obviously is not the job I had in mind or wanted to do, but I was just simply doing it 
to earn a bit of money. It wasn't much money either because anyway, it was it was badly paid. But anyway, um, and I had one bloke come out uh, with my leaflet that I put through his door shouting at me, telling me I had to have it back. Mm. <laughs> put it through my letterbox, I'll have it back. And I said, no, I'm not having it back. I've given it you now, and that's it. Chuck it in the bin if you don't want it. I do not want it back. No, you're not. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I understand that we get frustrated with junk mail, but just think about that person. You know, I was doing uh, a menial job only because I needed the money because I was getting married and I didn't have any other means of paying the rent. And, yeah, um, yeah so that's something to bear in mind. Yeah. It's, it's you know, I actually, believe it or not, despite moaning, quite like my job. Um, I was going to say, you must have nice customers as well. Yeah, um, there are nice customers. Some customers, see, this proves how good I am. Some customers buy me flowers on that good, right? <laughs> so, like, imagine the service you could get if you were that nice to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, you know, but in all seriousness, like, I do like my job. I know that you love... Um, you actually love that job, don't you? You love um, dealing mm-hmm. with customers and giving them the service that they yeah. they require. So I guess that, again, that's another reason why it, it hurts because you really do want to um I actually do care. People them. think that I don't care. It's yeah. sad because I actually mm. do. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I know. What a shame. We know you care. Yeah. Um, okay, so have we covered that? I don't know. It's I very different so. to what we normally talk about. Um, I mean, I guess one final question could ask you is, uh, do you, is the way you deal with uh, customer service reps different now to then post call to um, you I, meaner? I think I think I am I am a nicer person now, um, but I don't know that that's anything to do with with the mm-hmm. cult. I just think that's me growing up and stop mm. being a um, a big baby. <laughs> mm, yes, yeah. um, I think I'm I feel like I'm a better person now that's not to say that I'm perfect and every mm. now and again I do feel the red mist mm. uh, arising um, but um, but yeah I feel like I'm I'm new and improved but I don't know if that's mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of the, the religion I suppose that the one thing we could link it to is is um, is experiences mm. on the door-to-door work that's yeah um, it's true. I mean, that's a different sort of uh, yeah. service. <laughs> I, tr- I try and not be mean to the witnesses. Here's my thing. I try and not yeah. be mean to them at the door because, like you say, it's mm. like retail service. You're not the people that decide. Like that's You didn't right. decide that pioneering would be a good idea. It was that... sort of instructed upon you. And also, like, you know, if they are kids or young ones, you don't want them to think the worldly people are as bad as they say they are. Yes. If you behave badly to them... Then they'll yeah. be, then everything they've said about worldly people being bad will be proven every time you're mean absolutely. to them. So yeah, I think absolutely. as much as it's kind of tempting at the door when they come to the door and knock and you can be like, oh, sorry, I'm just in the middle of a satanic ritual, you know, because it's just, well, that'd be funny. <laughs> ha, ha. You know, <laughs> you're feeding into it. Do you know what I mean? You're even those jokes yeah. about you're teasing them and you're being those worldly people they warn you against, you know. Yeah, I think from my experience, I, I didn't mind too much if people were just a bit teasy. I didn't mind that. It's just like some people just absolutely, um, 
yeah, horrible. the vitriol <laughs> was uh, was quite something, really. Not mm. not many, if I'm honest. I think we've talked about that before. The mm-hmm. the great British public um, are remarkably patient, I think, and um, yeah. I am grateful to everyone that I knocked on the door Sunday morning, woke them up, mm-hmm. and they came down and just said no, thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm grateful that you were so nice. Um, mm-hmm. And those that weren't, well, yeah, what can I say to, to those people? Not much. But, um, yeah, no. don't forget, Jehovah's Witnesses, the individuals, and I, I feel like we probably don't say this enough, actually, because um, we talk about the organization, the religion, and so on quite a lot in pretty disparaging mm-hmm. terms. I think we ought to just reaffirm the fact that the individuals that come and knock on your door, um, the people that you know are most They're of just them people. just rank and file and they don't make the rules they are they are in a high control group therefore they are doing what they're told mm. um and they they do it because they believe it's the right thing to do um so i think it's important to remember that they're not the you know they're not the baddies no <laughs> they're, they're no, the victims um so we need to help the victims not shout at them yeah well there you go yeah, there we go. We just did, basically we did stop bring it shouting around. at people. <laughs> be nice. Just be just, nice. If you could be nice. Uh, we ought to talk about Twitter one day, uh, being nice on Twitter, but maybe maybe that's a whole different We were looking subject. for something light, weren't we? So We were, yes. Well, I hope, I hope that's fit the bill. Um, we will get back into some heavy stuff again. Um, but for now, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Thank you for listening and Don't remember forget, review. Like and subscribe or do whatever the required thing to do on your platform is. Do the things that are good. <laughs> Make tell people about it. Tell a friend. Uh, okay, thank you very much. Bye. Bye. What should I think about is an evil sheep production. <laughs>